Welcome to the RSM Talk Big podcast, helping you invest well, understand money, and achieve the best tax outcomes. Your hosts today are Andrew Sykes, Chris Oates, and Young Han. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us once again for the RSM Talk Big podcast. I'm your host today, Andrew, and I'm joined in here with your regular host, Young. Hi, everyone. And Chris. Hey, everyone. So welcome, as I said, and uh, thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about uh, investing and making money and really what, what rich people know and you should. So we're going to talk about how to save, how to invest, some tips on that and tips on making money, ideally over the long term. So Chris, where would you start, mate? Well, you start about looking at what are you actually doing with your income and having a bit of a structure around how you save. Because it is, it's easier to save really than make money. If you've got, if you're disciplined and you're putting some money aside, you're building up your wealth over time. And there's a lot of different rules that are out there and ideas. You look at, there's the 50-30-20 rule that a lot of people talk about, which is about putting some money aside, like 50% of your money for what you need, 30% for what you want to do. And then your 20% is, well, there's your savings. So you spend, say, 50% on necessities? Like the mortgage, your insurance, utility, your food that you absolutely have to use. You can't live without those things. No, exactly right. And and ideally 20% on savings. That's right. So if you've put, doesn't matter how much you earn, if you're putting 20% of that away before and when you earn the money, don't try and wait if per, per pay packet. Don't do it at the end of the week. Do it at the start of the week. So ideally you would say set up a direct debit into a savings account, a uh, something like a, a raise app or something like that where it's going to direct debit it as soon as you get paid. Or some employers, they actually offer you um, if you wanted to split your payment into two different bank accounts so that you don't even see the money coming in. Yeah, because it is. I think it is very much a, a truism. It's about not what you earn. It's about what you keep. That's right. And also, you know, I think it's important that you should be treating yourself for the hard work that you've done. So don't be just like really stingy and put everything into savings and you you have no life because it's not going to give you any joy. Um, saving the money and, and improving your financial, um, you know, situation. And also, I really want to say saving has no risk. When you want to make money, the risk comes with you. But when you want to save, there's no risk apart from yourself tempting to spend the money. Yep. And if you build a lifestyle after you've taken out your 20% or even if it's 10%, I think that's really important. Even if you can only save a very small amount, if you get started, that small amount will grow. That's right. And then if you build a lifestyle around not having it, I, I know and I've spoken to lots of people who look back and think, well, they've had pay rises over a few years and they can't understand how they used to live on so little and they still have no money, even though they still have pay rises. That's right. It's amazing how used to you get. You get used to not having that money. So if it's, it might take a couple of, couple of pays or something to get used to it, but after a while, you don't even notice that it's gone and then put it somewhere where you can't look at it and get really easy access to it. And you look at it after a year, couple of years, it'll be amazing how much you've actually got. The key is getting it started. Doesn't matter how much, get it started saving. Yeah. And I I like to say um, lifestyle expands into income. 
the more you have, the more you enjoy a lifestyle. We all love dinners and we love going out. We love our friends. Uh, we like to drive nice cars, etc. But I think if you said that first tip that rich people do is they save before they spend and then they use the rest of that for lifestyle. And that works with time as well. Most people get wealthy over a period of time. It's it's a long period of time. And if you're saving, if you save $100 a week after a year, that's five grand after two, it's 10 and, and so on. And you get the interest off that and you start to actually build a really good nest egg. Yeah, unless you're the lucky one that wins the lotto, yeah, it takes time. <laughs> but did you know the research shows that 95% of lotto winners are in a worse position after five years than they were before they won lotto? That's very true. So it doesn't matter how big it is, it's really easy to spend it if you don't have discipline. And I think that's the other critical tip I would uh, pick up on with savings as well. And Young, you, you touched on it, there's no risk to saving. I think one of the key things is not losing money. That's right. So right, rather than the kind of returns you're going to get is is don't lose. Chris, talk about it. You know, if you have a loss on, say, say you start with $1,000 and you lose 50%. Well, you're down at 500, so you'd think, okay, you've lost 50%, but you have to make 100% now of what you've got left just to get back to where you were. So yep. you're behind the eight ball and it's really hard to catch up. So having, as you said, not being too risky or being able to manage risk with what you do is really important. And you become very emotional. Just think about the gambling. The The key is not to go to casino because <laughs> you're never going to win over them. <laughs> Unless it's out of some of your discretionary spending after you've already saved. That's right. So, But, yeah, that, that idea of actually saving, making money slowly and, and not taking a loss, I think is really, really important to long-term uh, wealth. And where would you um, have your savings in? Would you put it in a term deposit or high interest account if that it doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore? <laughs> I wouldn't put my savings into crypto. Uh, I think there's been some damage done by that. Um, I, I have always just looked at conservative managed funds to get some share market exposure. And banks are still a great way to save. But uh, lower interest rates, Chris, you're the expert on where to save. Where would you put your money? Well, if, if you've got a mortgage, you think about it, if you've got a savings account and a mortgage, the bank is charging you more interest on your mortgage than what they'll pay you on your savings account. Which is not tax deductible. That's exactly right. So what you could actually look at doing is you can get an offset account. So what that does is it just sits next to your mortgage and anything you keep in that, so let's say you've got a mortgage of $100,000, if you've got $10,000 sitting in an offset account, you don't pay interest on $10,000 of your mortgage. So if your mortgage rate is 5% and out of a savings account, you're only going to get 1% or 2%, you can actually have a better saving by putting your cash in an offset account rather than trying to earn some interest and pay tax on it. As yeah, because that's the important thing, isn't it? A, a saving on your interest is not taxable income. That's exactly right. So and you get 5% after-tax effective return and you pay off your mortgage easier. That's right. You're paying actually, that means more of your repayment is paying down the principal of your loan. Yeah. And mortgages and in particular with rising interest rates at the moment is right up there in, in people's minds. Anyone got any tips on paying the mortgage down quickly? Putting, again, it's about being able to pay less 
interest. So if you've got savings or you can even operate your everyday account out of an offset account. So it doesn't actually just have to be a savings account. So making sure that you're putting money into that every week, every fortnight, however often you get paid, when you first get paid for those first few days, your bank account's higher, you're actually not paying interest on that amount. So that's with that offset account, which is reducing our interest. And if we remember the power of compound interest, it's exceptionally powerful over the long term. So even a few hundred dollars saved in year one is going to make a large difference over the term of the loan, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Could be tens of thousands of dollars over the loan. That's exactly right. And I actually like the idea of using the offset account as if, you know, just your normal bank account because you can access the money. If you put it in a TOM deposit, you're locked in. You can't, you know, access that money and you lose all the interest. But if you have it in the offset account and you really, really need the money, you can still access it. Yep. Well, if it's in a term deposit, you're going to pay tax on that interest and it's going to be a lower rate than your mortgage. I think also the number one tip that I like, my favourite tip for paying off the mortgage quickly is pay a mortgage payment every two weeks rather than monthly. That's right. So if you work it out, there's 26 fortnights in a year. If you pay every two weeks, that's going to be equivalent to paying 13 months. And you actually make an extra repayment. So you're the first payment of the month. So for the first fortnight, what you actually do is you're only paid 14 days interest on that amount rather than a full 30 or 31, however many days are in the month. Yep. So you're reducing your interest bill and you're getting that 13th payment in there compared to monthly. And once again, that can save tens of thousands of dollars over the life of the loan and, and reduce your mortgage by years. And it also will discipline you to save more and spend less because you know that money needs to be paid in fortnightly. Yeah, that's right. So you provide for that first before you actually start spending your money. So we've got our savings coming out first, then we've got our mortgage payment, and then hopefully there's enough there to uh, live on. That's right. Buy the groceries and go out for dinner. All right. The next, I think once we we ticked all those basic boxes, then it will be more like, okay, I have this a bit of, um, you know, spare money. What would I want to do is to invest it well. And that's that savings that we talk about, that 20 or 10%. It doesn't necessarily all have to go in to a savings account or the mortgage. You could actually be investing a little bit of that as well so that you're not just doing the pay the mortgage, you're getting something that's growing over time outside of that. And there's a few, if you're putting away a bit every every month or every time you get paid, it'll build up. Again, Andrew, you mentioned before the compound interest. If you earn interest, then the next year, that the amount that you earned interest on, you'll start getting more interest and it'll keep growing and building up and getting bigger and bigger. So you're getting uh, interest on your interest. Yep. And, and that is really one of the big secrets of the rich is earning money while you sleep. That's exactly right. So earning money that you don't have to work for, which is really what your savings and investment portfolio does for you. And the other thing that people ask is they say, well, how long does it take to, to make money? Or everybody says, well, how long will it take me to double my money? So how do we work that out? So there's a thing they call the rule of 72. So if you think that any, however, what the interest that you receive from your investment, you actually divide, so divide 72 by that number. So for example, if you're getting a 10% interest rate, then 72 divided by 10 is 7.2. So it would take you 7.2 years to double your money. Which is not bad. But also if I'm getting about 7% a year, 
I'm going to double my money every 10 years. That's right. And that's the power of the long-term saving plan. So if you could double your money every 10 years, by the time you get to retirement, you'll have enough to retire on. Then why would you want to know about this? Because you want to plan it. So you want when you're just fresh out of uni, have a first job, but eventually you'll get married. You know, there are uh, life um, milestones that you're going to need the capital money, lump sum money, then you can kind of start thinking about these strategies to plan your finance. And that's, it's, it's, we call it wealth accumulation because you accumulate it over time. It doesn't happen. There's no overnight get rich quick sort of scheme. You do have to do it. Yeah, unfortunately, most get rich uh, or get uh, rich quick schemes really don't seem to work, do they? No, no. You, a lot of people have been hurt thinking they were going to make a lot of money in a month. Yeah. So if we talk about the long term, um, give me an example, Chris. So say I've got $1,000 and I think that's the other key thing too is it's never too small to start. You don't need a big amount. So, so say I had $1,000 to invest at a hundred and another $100 a month. You've got an example there of what that looks like over the long term. So, yeah, that's exactly right. You mentioned, so $1,000 goes in. It doesn't matter where you start or how much you start with, as long as you start. That's the key thing. $1,000, you're putting a $100 in a month. You look at over 20 years and so to, let's say an average 8%. So a growth portfolio can get an average of 8%. Over that 20 years, you'll have put $24,000 in to your investment. The interest you'll have earned will be 39000 almost double. Wow, that's quite a bit. Yep. So therefore, at the end, instead of just putting $24,000 aside, you actually end up with 64000 So. <sighs> makes a lot of money for you. It does. And to me, that brings home the point is that you're never too young to start either. So if you started doing that when you were 20 years old, by the time you get to 40, you've got an extra 64000 And hopefully you've had time to top that up along the way. And that's if you get a pay rise and you've got a little bit of extra money. So instead of putting the $100 aside, could you do 150 or could you do 200 and then that just builds it up and up and up over time. And the big part of that is, again, we come back to the compound interest. You're earning interest on your interest. And there are other apps and, and, and banks are offering this program where they round up your spending for the week and then they put it into an investment portfolio so but, that you don't actually have to pick and choose which investment you want to do. They just take the money out of your bank account and then they will invest it on the portfolio on your behalf. I love the idea of it coming straight out of your bank account because it just doesn't get noticed ideally. Small amounts coming out, you won't notice. That's right. Well, the difference between you spending $1.50 or $2, you probably wouldn't notice the 50 cents, whereas it's going into something. And the amount of times we tap our card and we wouldn't even notice that it comes out. And there are some really good apps that you can use now or bank programs, which are micro-investing, which will just invest very small amounts for you on a daily or weekly basis. And they will also let you put an amount into it as well each month. So you're putting your own amount in plus a little bit every time you buy something at the shops. And once again, over the long term. I think the other uh, thing that uh, I've, I've seen rich people do, and I think it's really important, uh, is that they only borrow to invest or make money. So they don't borrow for consumption. Such as? Uh, cars. So if you turned your car over, you imagine if you were turning your car over every uh, five years, so you buy a $50,000 car and in five years it's worth twenty. 
over 15 years, you're dropping $90,000. Imagine if you could say, well, I'm going to keep my car an extra five years. So that car after the extra five years might go down to being worth $10,000, but you haven't gone out and spent another 50 and lost another 30. So if you can delay your changeover in cars, that means normally, even if you buy your car with a loan, you're not buying the next one. And that's right. And also, if you're thinking about borrowing to buy something else for investment, if you do take out a loan for your car, it will impact your borrowing capacity. That's so. right. But the other thing is that if you have a business or if you are in the occupation that does car all the time so that you can claim those expenses against your income, then you need to sit down and then do the calculation to see whether it's worth actually getting a loan to do it because then that loan becomes deductible loan for you um, and then you probably want to spend that money to pay off your mortgage because that's not going to be deductible. Yep, that, that is true. So swapping deductible for uh, non-deductible debt in, in that case, it brings to mind a really good point. Should I go out and get a car loan or should I draw down on my mortgage? Chris, what do you think? So if you go and get a car loan, generally the interest rate's going to be a lot higher. So if you've been putting a bit of extra money into your mortgage and you've got a bit of space in there, your home loan might be 4 or 5% but your car loan could be up to 11%, 12%, how much the banks are charging. So you'll actually save a bit more if you yep. draw it from the mortgage. I would say my only caution with that would be make sure you're not paying off your car over 30 years. That's right. So, so if you're going to do that, if you're going to draw down on your mortgage for anything, my advice would be to make extra payments into it to cover it off. So still pay the same amount as if you had a car lease, mm -hmm. but you get the advantage of the lower mortgage. Other things that come to mind are, for example, holidays. Holidays drawn down on your mortgage. You could be paying for that week in Rome for uh, 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> you want it to be a good holiday. <laughs> you want it to have a good a good holiday. Yeah, so it's that idea is um, uh, saving and, and you're better off saving um, to go for a holiday, then drawing down on your mortgage where you can. So pay cash if you can. Put it aside a little bit because you're going to have to pay for it at some time. And I've seen, and it's kind of common in Asian culture, that when you reach people, they usually, it's a common thing, it's like they will have the you know the long wallet and they always have cash in it. We actually asked a person, why did you want to use the cash instead of the card? And he said, I've become more conscious about my spending and when you actually spend the cash, like a paper cash, he's more aware of, you know, that's the money that I'm spending. So he becomes more cautious. Whereas if you just use a credit card, it doesn't feel like how much you use. So you're spending $500 in a note versus $500 on a card tap. It feels different. And that's a really good tip. How easy is it to spend money when you have your card on your phone and you just have to double click the button, tap and walk away. You don't even really notice it's that quick. So maybe the modern version of using cash is to actually put your card in the machine and type your pin in there because you get to see the amount on the screen and uh, it actually feels like you're spending. That's right. And I do that with my kids as well. Um, yeah, they just think that this plastic card is a magic and it, you can buy anything with it. So I started like showing them the coins and the notes and then what makes, you know, the $10 and all that so that they become more cautious about the money and the actual materials that goes with it. Whereas if you just use a tap, they just think that it's like, eh, we can just buy whatever we want. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, ties in really with that making a daily commitment to what you're spending. I think it's really hard to budget. Budgets are really hard because uh, if you budget and allocate to a particular area, you're not going to not drive your car for a week if your budget for petrol's over. That's right. But you can make a daily commitment to how much you're going to spend and actually being mindful and conscious of your spending is a really important part of that. So that, uh, we mentioned about the 50-30-20 rule and 30% that you want to use it for what you want. And for me, um, I've got two young kids, so I use it for, you know, when we want to dine out. So I'll go Thudden Club for a Thursday because kids eat free. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's the same thing. If you go on Tuesday, uh, you have to pay for everything. Whereas if I go on Thursday, I don't have to pay for my kids. Well, how hard is it to earn 10% on your money? So 10% savings is even better than 10% uh, return because that 10% saving is actually tax-free as well. Yeah, so it's and, even better. And if you're buying coffee a day every day, get an app. You get a free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you get the cards, get the apps. Yeah. I, I think uh, if we talk about daily commitment and mindful spending of money, uh, I'd like to throw a challenge out there for uh, people to sit down and try and write all the spending over the last three days and then compare it to your actual bank statement. Remember, Try and remember how much you can spend or you've spent over that period of time. I think a lot of people would find that really tough. Oh, they do because if you just spend without thinking about, you know, how much you're actually spending, like buying a coffee a day. For me uh, at uni, during the uni, I did never buy a coffee a day because that adds up. Whereas now if you're working, buying a coffee a day, it's, it doesn't feel like a big thing. But if you actually do the calculation, do it for the, like if you buy lunch three times a week, multiply by two with your husband, that's quite a lot. Well, lunch now is $20 with a drink, 15 to $20. So that's uh, between a couple, that's uh, 30 to $40 per week. So you could be spending a couple of hundred dollars yeah, a you, week yeah. on lunch I'm of not, coffees. That's right. And then I'm, I'm not saying that sacrifice your lifestyle so that you always have to cook to save money. There's other alternatives you can, you know, um, buy those are pre-packed lunches, that they're $10 each. So that's better than you spending $20 every lunch. And you get good variety. That's right. Uh, uh, yesterday it was pretty good and it cost <laughs> me $12 instead of 20 And the other thing too around that is I've, I tell you, I've gone down to the cafe near our office and we've all been there and I'm there paying $5 for a almond milk cappuccino or a, a long black, even worse, $4 for a long black. And our office provides free coffee pods. Yep. And you yep. kind of think to yourself, oh, what am I doing here? And then there's two things. The office is actually claiming a deduction for the coffee cost. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we're not. We're just spending our money. But that also brings me to the last point, which is about ourselves personally. The best investment we can ever make is ourselves and our income earning capacity. So... Uh, learning new skills, improving your job, doing better at work, trying to get pay rises is always the best investment generally because you've got that over your lifetime. Uh, how do you protect that, Chris? Yeah, so that's where you come into insurance. So things like life insurance, income protection, because if you've got a mortgage or you're paying rent, the last thing you want to do, if you can't work because you're sick or injured, is then be dipping into your savings and that money, that hard-earned money that you've been putting away. 
So you can get paid a portion of your your monthly salary if you're able to claim on that. So that it protects you and means that you can actually keep achieving what you want to and not putting yourself backwards just because you were unlucky, uh, an unforeseen event came up. Uh, we see it quite often that people maybe cancel their insurance or they haven't got the insurance and then after the fact they say, geez, that would have been good. Yeah, it would have. And that's the thing, particularly if you're going to borrow to invest, you don't want to be forced to ever have to sell your assets because you can't meet the repayments. That's exactly right. You always want somewhere to be able to live. When in a stressful time, you can take the extra stress of how do I pay for this away? Yep. And you don't always have to buy that either. You can go to an employer these days, a lot of employers will offer income protection, life protection. So that's one of the key things. And that's what I talk about when investing in yourself. Select the right employer who's going to provide these kinds of benefits for you. That's right. If a policy, in some, if you're paying hundreds or there could even, in many cases, there could be thousands of dollars of cost. If your employer is paying for that, you could be putting that money aside for yourself. So that it's a big thing when people are looking at jobs now. What are the extra benefits? It's just not what am I getting paid month to month? It's about what else can I get? And I would start early. Chris, can you give us some tips about like why is it important to start early? Because your premiums can go really high. Yes, yeah, so, well, the older you get, the more expensive, the more risk you are to, to insurers and having health issues. So if you start early, generally you haven't had the chance to have as many medical issues. So insurers look at you favourably. Quite often they don't make you go for as many blood tests and those sorts of things as well. So it can be a bit easier to get insurance. When, when you're younger. So yeah, an important part. So key takeaways from this episode are start saving and make saving your first priority. Before you pay any other bills, pay yourself because you are arguably the most important person to you. Invest over the long term, avoid losses look to reduce your uh, interest where you can on your mortgage and pay extra payments because it normally is a 20 or 30 year commitment. If we say compound interest is powerful and we think that saving is better than getting a return, saving interest on our loans is incredibly important and invest in ourselves and protect ourselves. Is that a good wrap up? Yeah, and, and just enjoy it. Just don't think that I have to do it and make an extra stress or commitment. Enjoy the journey, you know, get a joy and find the joy from savings and growing um, so that it becomes part of something that you enjoy doing. Thank you. Thank you, Young and Chris. Some great views there on uh, building wealth and, and what rich people know and what you should know. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. This has been the RSM Talk Big podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your favourite podcast. My name's Andrew Sykes, and on behalf of RSM and the Talk Big team, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thanks. Talk Big. Create, save and protect with RSM.